Good morning, good afternoon, or good evening, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Good Leader Podcast. Anj, I'm going to go to you first. Who's your favorite leadership author? Is it the obvious Ooh. answer, or are you going to? Is it somebody else? Well, do you want an obvious answer? Or do I? No, no, to... no. I want you to tell the truth. Because like, I have a couple. One. Let's say you just pick one. Like you know, you, you pick one author. You're like, you know what? I think I like this author the leadership best. Leadership specifically. Yeah, I think for the purpose of this podcast, it's the Good Leader Podcast, not the Good Mystery Podcast. <laughs> just right? that the was my comic book. Stephen King, earlier. the Mystery Machine. Um, okay, if I had to pick leadership, I would do uh, Patrick Lencioni. Uh, okay, all yeah. right, great answer, great answer. One of the obvious. Well, maybe it, not the. No, no, no. I, I thought it'd be him or Brene. That was my top it, two it's, for it's, you. It's a toss-up, honestly. Both good authors, by the way. This is no no judgment here. Both great picks. There, yeah. If it was, would you pick a different author? Do you have a different author? Like another genre that you just enjoy reading or something now? But no, I'm... The listeners and myself, very curious. No, no, no. I, I was actually between Brene and Patrick, um, and I I ended up with Patrick because I think he's purely just leadership. You consider him more leadership. Yeah, like she is a, you know, better human. Yeah, I would say, of. though... Okay, let's do this. For the purposes of this question and where I'm leading with this question, I think it could be a broad interpretation of leadership. I As opposed to, I would say, yes. Stephen King, not really a leadership author. I mean, no. can I learn some leadership lessons from, you know, the Green Mile? Sure. So not, No, no, I was truly just thinking... You can learn a leadership thinking, lesson anyway. Yeah. Maybe the better... Yeah, so maybe... It was I, just my framing to make myself decide. Fair enough. Because I really wanted to say Brene and I really wanted to say Patrick. Lemuel, how about you? Let me rephrase the question to maybe bring some clarity. Who's your favorite <laughs> nonfiction author? Nonfiction author. Yep. Wow. Come probably, to you next, Jess, in your avid resources over there. Probably, I know that you're having to distill it. Nonfiction or wait, yeah. leadership or nonfiction? Nonfiction. I'm curious. Yeah, I'm curious. Let me got yours. This is not not super leadership focused. It's okay. I do enjoy it, Tim Keller a lot. Okay. He's all got right. some leadership Tim stuff Keller, in there. Christian author. Christian I would space. Say spirituality. I've got some books, discipleship. Though, but it's not centered around the author. Oh, okay. All right. Okay. All right. Jess, how about you? I don't read. But you know what? That's a great answer. That's a great answer. I appreciate the honesty. Appreciate the candor. Do you listen to books or just the Good Leader Podcast? That's it. That's where you get all your leadership information. I do. I listen to, I listen to podcasts, but it's not anything valuable. Okay. It's like pop culture, what's going on in the world. I'm not judging you. I listen to a ton of sports podcasts. If you, if you like yeah. ranked how much yeah. time I listen, I listen to a ton of sports podcasts. When In the end, I would put that in the same category as like pop culture or whatever. Right. So Just no enter entertainment there. purposes. Mainly. Do you have any leadership, not just leadership, sorry, because I don't want to trip up on the word leadership. Any nonfiction books that you've ever read that you really enjoyed? That well, you I, like, did you know what? I did consider this one a leadership book, I okay. would say. Um, and I've actually recommended it to you, I believe, but I had to read it for class. Okay. It's called uh, Never Split the Difference. Oh, definitely. Oh, negotiating yeah. as if your life depended on him. it. Yeah, Chris, I, Chris Voss. Chris Voss. Yeah. yeah, so I took a, persua I love I took that a one. persuasion class and uh, we had to pick a book and do like a whole paper over it. And I found that one and I read it um, and I really loved it. Okay. Well, that's a phenomenal. That answer. is a great book. Mm -hmm. Even yeah, so sounds like Chris Voss is your favorite leadership or nonfiction author. <laughs> Guess so. The, so. the one and only. <laughs> the one and only. <laughs> the reason that I'm asking you this is because I'm setting you up. We're going to do a little contest. All right, it's going to be the four of us, mano e mano e womano e womano. All right, we're going to go. Here wow. we go against uh, four four teams. We're going to get some some suggestions. From social media, follow us at Paradigm Shift Leadership. We're going to get some suggestions from the rest of the team. We've already got some suggestions, and we're going to throw out some suggestions. 
And over the next few weeks, I don't know when we're officially going to start, but we're going to draft, you're going to draft your top five leadership books. But it's going to be a draft. So once, it, once it's taken, so you said Patrick Lingioni, Five Dysfunctions of a Team, probably his most well-known book, I'll say. So let's say if that's on the category or out there on the table, you could pick it. Now, nobody else could pick that one. Right. And then we're going to put it back to the public to judge who has the best book. Now, this is great because it's completely who subjective. Who has the best team? Who has the best team, yeah. Who has the best team okay. of books? And that's what we're going to do. So that's why I asked you who your favorite author was. And now that you know that, is there another book that you would throw in? Like, would you oh, still yeah. throw in? Oh, yeah? What do you got? I've Let got, uh, there's got? a book called Illuminate by Nancy Duarte. Oh. Okay. And it's a... Illuminate. So it's where storytelling meets leadership. So she gives a template for giving speeches, um, holding ceremonies, and telling stories along um, stages of company cycles. So oh, it's is really this cool. the one that you sent me pictures of yes. before? That was yes. good. So each... I haven't read it, but those were really solid. Each company cool. has a series of initiatives. Sorry, this is really in-depth. But uh, initiative, you, there's a dream stage, a leap stage, fight stage, a climb stage an arrive stage, and then a redream stage. Wow. So she gives templates for how to lead in each of those stages. Well, that sounds like an entire podcast. We I love a podcast it. over that. That's I love great it. stuff. Yeah. Bring her on the pod. What's All her right. name? Let's give some credit. We're credits to Nancy Duart. Nancy Duart. Yeah, she did some art in her she book. She did that art. All right. Shout out, Nancy. Shout out, Nancy. So we're going to suggest, do you have any other books you want to suggest? I really like... Um, What's how to how to win friends, friends and, and influence, influence people? people by Dale what? Carnegie? Classic, classic. Yeah, that is a classic. One. I really like that one. Classic. Yeah. All right, if you're into manipulation, what do you get? What do you got, <laughs> Ange? <laughs> um, I would say, uh, well, can I list what I've named on here before? Sure, of course. Because I guess this is going to the draft. Yeah, not officially, but sure. And I'm just doing one right now. Well, I have too is, many to choose from. Th- well, I know. And you're an avid reader. It, hey, on previous pods, we talked about your disciplines reading 20 minutes a day. So you're, you it, know. It, the clarity around that or not. You're you know? really reading a lot. But in truth, we're just throwing out suggestions, thoughts. We do not know. I'm not even going to know. In fairness for the contest, I'm not going to know what the final 20 is going to be. Oh, okay. We're going to recruit somebody, probably Kyle, you know, the king of content. Uh, he really likes recommendations. He really likes sticks like this. So probably yep. Kyle Price, head of content development at Paradigm Shift, will probably unveil the draft the options. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Then um, the Ride of a Lifetime, Bob oh, Iger. Great book. Yep. I oh. love Ooh, that good. one. Okay. Because it's not, you know, he throws leadership in there, but you also get to like read stories and you know his hear his story so I, I really like that one yeah this is gonna be tough i don't know you know we might even have to change the format you know we might have to do it more like best leader ever like i best, also was gonna ask book ever. if you plan on having a criteria for well, like i don't know That's like is it an at. easy read is it like actual tangible like you know well it might be because my one of my suggestions is the giving tree by shell silverstein i mean my favorite book of all time that's a great one too it's a great one so you it's, got all kinds um of a tale of three kings Oh, a tale of three kings. Well, y'all Gene Edwards. Jesus, you can over there. That All one, right. yeah, Jeez, that one is Jesus. Golly, but Jess. I think you can read that one and get these something guys, out of it, even if these you're guys. That doesn't have to be Jesus. What do you song. get? Yeah, what you, what's next? Have you read it? Song of Solomon. Where do you throw no. in there? Best Proverbs. Leadership. Proverbs. No, you. Well, you were looking tale for of different three kings. Of you were I looking read. for different uh, read, genres, so I was just I throwing one out there. Tale of Three Kings when you were in junior high. So yes, you probably did. I, I'm not exaggerating. I bet you did. <laughs> so yeah, I didn't read I it in junior high. It. I don't remember it, but I have read it. Tale of Three Kings. Uh, okay. The point 
is the contest. We'll see how it goes. Throw in some suggestions at Paradigm Shift Leadership. We'll throw up a, a thing on LinkedIn. And uh, I'm just a LinkedIn guy these days. That's pretty much where me I'm too. Living, You know? They they send you so many notifications and it makes me feel important. Yeah. I'm, like, I'm loving LinkedIn. LinkedIn. Who I got wants a strong to talk to me? They actually do. They really know how to hit that dopamine with that. Yeah. Yes. You got a new notification. You got to like, oh, they really so-and-so do. posted this. I actually don't care. But wow, it's a notification. Mm-hmm. Little yeah. red dot. They do yeah. tell you a lot of what other people are posting. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't, I don't pay attention to that as much. Do they tell people what we're posting? Well, I hope so. I hope they're doing Are it. Are we in I'm people's posting, notifications? I'm posting like a fiend, and I'm about to post about the Good Leader Podcast. So thank you for listening today. We are talking about leadership this day and every day. And we're going to continue our conversation on customer service. So it's the end of customer service week that just ended. We heard, you know, hell hath no fury like on scorns, okay, at Walmart. <laughs> Parentheses at Walmart. So we heard that story. Specifically. Lim got fired up about the salsa lady, uh, you know, <laughs> getting salsa poured all over her and them not really doing anything about it. So those are crisis mode, you know, but what do you do in everyday circumstances? Because everybody's going to have bad stuff. Here at the Good Leader Podcast, we're sponsored by Paradigm Shift. That's our day job. We are, we are also not immune to bad customer service. In fact, a few years ago, We served a state, I'll just say the state, I won't say the specific program for the purposes of anonymity, but it was in West Virginia. There was a program in West Virginia and they were just starting and they were starting this mentoring portion of the program. They reached out to us and can we help with this? Can we help write some curriculum, do some different things? Yes. So we organized that. We sent someone to do the kickoff event for them with their staff and we had provided some material. Very long story short, we did not hit the mark. We did a poor job. They did Mm. not like it. They sent back the survey. This was not what we wanted. This was not, we didn't like it. We just, we just missed up. We just missed the mark. Now I'm telling this in customer service because your opinion doesn't matter as much as your customer does. Mm -hmm. So perception may not be reality, but perception dictates behavior. Mm -hmm. Cause I thought, wow, I actually, I'm rereading this. I'm rereading what they asked for. I feel like we did a pretty decent job. But they obviously, so in the end, it was frustrating because I feel like, well, they, I don't think they even knew what they wanted. Like, if they didn't like what we delivered, maybe they were, and yep. we're in a pretty, you know, artistic business in the sense that we're creating some of this stuff with them over leadership development. But nonetheless, we missed the mark. So here's the thing. Here's where the story gets good. I don't even know if y'all know this story. This was a few years ago. This was probably 2019. I'm going to say 2019. So we do a bad job. And remember, apologize. If you, if you listened to the last podcast, apologize. Try to solve the problem and then over-deliver. We tried that. We apologized quickly, immediately. We didn't say anything that I just said. Hey, you're kind of confused on what you want. No, we just said, wow. Either way, we messed up. We missed the mark. We are very sorry for that. How can we do better? We're trying to identify the problem. What did you not like about this? What are your goals? How can we remedy this? All those types of things. And they just completely ghosted us. Absolutely ghosted us. Like, oh. nope, you're dead to me, which is really bad. That's, That's so scary. It's scary, right? Yeah, because you don't know. Like, you, there's no communication. You have no idea. It's kind of like when he, your pastor put the sign on the door. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah absolutely. That's yes. exactly what the discipline, Jared. Thank you. Yeah. Appreciate you triggering that traumatic event in my life. <laughs> you're welcome. Always here. Happy to help. <laughs> but you're right, Jess. It's this one-way communication is very difficult. So I'm trying to figure it out. At the time, our whole team is trying to figure it out. And we're just ghosted. Well, okay. Fast forward a couple of years, we have some new players, some new people. They're still ghosting our new people. Now, it's like, hey, have you ever heard anything with West Virginia? And I'm like, well, yeah, kind of. What's going on? And so, man, we are just, you know, we have a, we are 
dead to them. We are, our name is mud, evidently. Fast forward to 2023. We're here. We're at a national conference. An individual comes up from West Virginia. Mm. He starts, he's looking at our booth. He's talking to us. Me specifically, I happen to be at this conference. And he's talking to us about our camps. We work with students. Yes, this is great. This guy's excited. He's like, y'all sound like exactly what we need. This is great. Okay, no problem. So we start having a conversation. We get on a Zoom call with him. We go through what we could do for them. We're, we're to the proposal stage. We're about to send them information. And in the back of my mind, up at this point, I'm like, is this the program? Like, I hadn't really thought about it. You know, this is five years ago. So it wasn't like it's fresh on my mind. But as we're having this Zoom call and we're about to, we're creating the proposal and sending them this information, I'm thinking like, I think, I think we've done stuff with them before. I think, I think we've done something and it did not go well. And I took it upon myself to just say, you know what? I'm going to send him an email. So our sales rep is putting together, putting together the proposal, going to send the information. That's great. Hopefully we work with this crew. I just once again apologized again, and I owned it. And I sent an email specifically to this gentleman, and I explained the situation. And I said, I don't know if you're aware of this, because I don't, I, I don't even think he was there. He didn't even work for them at the time. I said, I don't know if you're aware of this, but we have partnered with your program in the past, in approximately 2018, and I explained what happened. I said, you were launching a mentoring program at the time, if I remember correctly, and we missed the mark. That's the exact phrase I used. I said, we missed the mark. And I just want to be completely candid with you if that comes up. More specifically, I want you to know that we actually are phenomenal at camps. You're asking us about a camp. That's not what we did for you in the past camps are a bailiwick. We feel really strong in that. And here's why and here's what. But I wanted you to be aware of that. Um, just be, to be completely transparent and answer any questions that you might have about that time and how we've grown since then and how we can serve you and your students now appropriately. Cool. So I just sent him the email. Didn't hear anything. Mm. Didn't hear anything. Dun, dun, dun. Go ghosted again. No way. Not totally. Okay. But for like a week. Then he sends an email and he replies that, hey, Jared, Thank you so much. I actually have not, I was not here then. I've only worked here for a year or so. Your name has never come up in a negative light. Paradigm shift has never come up in a negative light. But, and this is the point of the day, but thank you so much for your honesty, your transparency, and your vulnerability. That's the kind of leadership traits we are trying to instill in our students. So it seems like you all are a perfect fit for working with our students in our summer program. And so they hired us, they accepted the proposal, it's all great, it's all good. But when it comes to customer service, you can never go wrong with that over-communication, owning mm -hmm. your mistakes and mm -hmm. just sharing it. You can mm -hmm. never go wrong with it. And so today I wanna frame the conversation, taking it a step further from when something bad happens, what do you do? Well, you apologize, you try to solve the problem. To how are we leading, not just frontline employees, but managers, and talk about this as a leadership issue. Because mm -hmm. we often talk about it as reactive. It's, a, it's not. It's deeper than that. It's a leadership issue. So there you go. Ange, what do you think? There you go. Have you heard that story? Did you hear any of that? No, I don't think I, <laughs> I, don't think I have. True I don't story. think I heard anything you it's just said. It's very recent. This just happened in Paradigm Shift. So there you go. So that's our customer service I, win of the last couple of weeks. What do you I think about this story, Jess? I think it's so, I mean, obviously the one that stands out to me the most is like, own, like you were so vulnerable in that moment. You didn't have to be. And you just decided that that was the best route. I feel like if I were in that scenario, I would want to get it off my conscience. Like I would want to communicate about it. And I think in, when you're in that type of position, it's really hard to put your pride to the side and say, this is where 
I was wrong in this scenario. And I think that that's obviously where this type of thing goes south in the first place because it's really hard to admit where you were wrong in a situation. And especially when you're in a leadership leadership position, you feel like you have to know it all. You feel like you have to be the one that people come to or like answer to. So in that specific scenario, you didn't have to do that and you did it. And I think that that says more about anything. Well, I like that you bring that up because I was part of the initial problem. Like I helped write the initial curriculum that they didn't like, you know? And so there's a part of you that wants to be defensive, especially I'm especially talking about customer service holistically today. I'd like us to discuss it more than in this moment, this really obviously bad thing happened, like mm-hmm. salsa falling on someone or people grabbing, an employee grabbing the bucket mm-hmm. out of your hand. Oh. The fact that she grabbed it out of your hand is just unbelievable. Like that's that's crazy. There was really a lot. There's a lot that's it. unbelievable. Yeah. Can't buy that. Not these drastic in the moment situations, but looking at it more holistically when it's really a little bit in question, like, wow, did you guys obviously mess up? Well, actually not obviously. We delivered the product. It was a good product. It just didn't hit the mark. It wasn't what they wanted. And so this is really customer service. Mm-hmm. Serve. How are yeah. you serving? And it starts with leadership. This is yeah. the Good Leader Podcast. This is not just like, so if you have a customer service problem, you have an entire organization problem, mm-hmm. not just, man, our frontline people. Because we often default to that frontline leader. Yeah. It's starting higher than that. So when we're working, we offer frontline leadership training, but we always ask, what's the holistic plan? Yeah. What's, what yeah. other trainings are you doing? How is this? This is, this is a culture issue also, not just a, oh, yeah, we got to hire some better people that are nicer. Mm-hmm. You know, Anch, what do you think? Yeah, but I think what, um, what you did that was really good, even outside of what Jess said, is you have maybe even different than 2018, you have a firm, or 2019, whatever it was, you have a firm belief in what you're providing now and you said that like you Mm -hmm. said hey good news this is like this is the best thing we do this is one of the best services that we can provide and i think even your authenticity and your belief in that also kind of drives confidence for that client or guest or partner whoever it is that you know you're working with and um i i just think that the the self-assurance really Played a part. Well, I, th- go I was going to say one thing I noticed in your story, and this wasn't wasn't explicit in what you said, but I think you showed that you had their best interest in mind right. beyond the tr- transaction. Even if you lost it, you want them to win, and I feel like that's key in serving um, our people. Absolutely, because we are well, a service industry. Yeah. yeah. Well, every every industry is a service industry. That's mm-hmm. just something. Yeah. I, I mean, I I don't say that flippantly. I'm like, it's like, oh, well, we're not really in service. Yes, you are. You're serving someone. You're serving yeah. your customers externally. You're serving your employees internally. Everyone is in the service industry. Leadership is service it, to me. It is serving someone in some way. Yep. And so, with that in mind, that's what I want to talk about as the the meat of today. Meaning your frontline leaders, frontline employees are your leaders. Mm. You know, we often think of it as like, oh, well, the leaders are the managers in this. No, everyone, that's why everyone may not be a leader in every sense. But when I'm encountering your organization through my interactions with a frontline employee, they are your entire representation of your organization. That's mm-hmm. who your organization is. So they are, for that moment, to me, this customer, they're the leader. They're yep. the one who's leading. Like, tell me about Chili's. Well, let me tell you about this terrible experience. Yep. Tell me about Walmart. Well, I'm never going back there. Tell me about Paradigm Shift. Oh, actually, it was a delightful experience. <laughs> you know, so they are leading in a way. So we have to then take it. This is not just a immediate. I, we shared the Band-Aid on the last episode. Mm-hmm. Hey, when something bad happens, here's the Band-Aid. 
apologize, which is worth training on, by the way, because mm-hmm. it's not common sense, right? Just what is it you like to say? Common sense isn't common unless it's communicated. What is mm-hmm. it? I didn't come up with that. I don't know where I heard it. Well, what is it? Common sense isn't common unless it's communicated. And so in the same way, you can't just assume people know to apologize. They don't. Have you trained your team to apologize correctly? That's actually something I, I don't know if we've trained our team mm-hmm. to apologize correctly. Mm-hmm. That's a great point. I yep. mean, I'm sitting here listening to myself going like, I don't know if we've done that, you know, like, right. yep. you know, because I think sometimes people think they just don't respond. Like if they hear something bad, you know, especially in an yep. industry like ours, like, oh yeah, they're very unhappy. Well, did you apologize? Like, did you own that? And how to do that? So you have to train even on those things. But we're going to take it a step further today into the kind of 50,000 foot level And I found an article that really aligns with several things that I I really believe. And it's from asknicely.com. Very nice website, Ask Nicely. I don't even know what they do, um, but I'm just going to give credit where credit's due. Ange was all over this. And and I didn't share these beforehand, but you were saying it's about belief. And, And you could, more than me just responding well, you could feel and hear the belief in my statements, well, number one, and there are seven, I hesitate to call these steps, let's say seven areas to consider sure. when we're talking about customer service training holistically, training every single person to be a leader, every single frontline employee to be a leader, envision a clear and consistent customer experience strategy. Now you can see where this is much higher level than apologize. Mm-hmm. This is really asking ourselves, what I love about this, there's so much depth here. This is not just knowing what to do when something goes wrong. This is knowing what is our customer experience? What is the perfect customer experience? What is next? What is next? What could go wrong? So in ours, and if you're in a young organization, you're probably figuring it out. We went through years of figuring out, well, what is the customer experience for us? Do we Mm -hmm. offer that? Well, let's try it. Do we offer this? No, that's not really our bailiwick. That's not really our strong suit. Let's focus on this. But envision a clear and consistent customer experience strategy. I'm going to go through these and then we'll talk about them. Number two, know who your customers are to serve them better. Know who your customers are to serve them better. If you're not, if you don't have an avatar of who is your perfect client or customer, And also, while we're here, what do you call your customers? We call ours partners at Paradigm Shift. And it doesn't really matter what you say, customer, client, partner, other synonym. They have slightly different nuances, and it's worth considering because language is powerful. But know who your customers are to serve them better. Number three, pay attention to customers changing needs. I like this because people aren't stagnant. So it's like, oh man, we've got this thing down. This is why you have to have consistent training because your customers change, your customers' needs change over time. Number four, track and address customer churn. You don't just want to hit churn, churn, meaning like people are leaving. Like, because mm-hmm. this is where you don't just want to hear from your good customers. You don't just want to go like, man, we've got great surveys. We got great feedback. This is awesome. Or revenue's up. So everything must be good. Nope. You got to pay attention to the negative voice not to isolate on it, but to hear it. Like, okay, if it was one bad experience, why? Because you don't want that to multiply. Number five, prioritize continuous customer experience improvement. I'm going to say that one again because like, well, duh. Well, prioritize, I think is the key verb there. Prioritize continuous customer experience improvement. So how are you? And I like Jess, you alluded to your sister being in service industry. So let's say if I'm in in a direct, like let's say I'm a server at a restaurant. 
I think very little attention is paid to prioritizing continuous customer experience improvement. It's like, yeah, you work here, you've worked here a while, you got it down. Or you've been a server at a million other places and that's there all it, it takes. There or, it is. Or a bartender or a barista or whatever, like you've done this a million times. Boom. Jess, dynamite, perfect analogy that so many people are out there thinking. So many people, we and I think you're thinking it subconsciously. Like if you're out there as a manager, if you own a coffee shop or own a bar or own a restaurant or one of these, and I'm using those because they're very obvious frontline employee service-based industries, but this could go for anything. Oh, you're a sales rep. Well, you've been a sales rep before. You've been a sales rep for 30 years, so you probably know what you're doing. Nope, nope, nope. Burn your assumptions. Yeah, Banish your expectations. No, there's start no identity attached to it and like no character or values or... Whatever, Absolutely. Whatever Who is, what does it yeah. mean? So what does it mean to be a barista is not the question. It's what does it mean to be a barista at summer moon at summer moon specifically, specifically. Absolutely. I think it means something completely different than being a barista at Starbucks. I'll take it a step further. It should mean something completely different. Yeah. Cause it does. If it doesn't, then you are doing a You're just what run of the mills coffee shop. That's yeah. what we want to be. Right. You know, so that's what, so prioritize continuous customer experience improvement is not just like, what are our customers wanting? It's asking yourself, what does it mean for you to be in this role at this place? And then prioritizing that training and improvement. Number six, don't overlook the digital customer experience. Now, this is pretty interesting. This is why I thought this was a really good list because it's like, man, so many digital transactions occur, whether this is um, just using your credit card at in person or whether it's buying something online or ordering something line online or giving an online review or just interacting yeah. digitally in some way. Don't overlook the digital customer experience, uh, especially if you are, if you are a brick and mortar establishment or you have like, like us, for example, we're not necessarily a brick and mortar establishment, but we're an in-person based service. So it's easy for us, I think, to overlook the online experience because mm -hmm. you might be going, well, are we missing customers because of that? Mm -hmm. What is the customer experience? If we walk through, if somebody walks through our website, and I know that we did, the four of us here, we're all a part of it, walking through, like, if you go to our website, for example, what is your experience? Is it mm -hmm. good customer service? Which I think is an interesting phrase that not many people would ask. Mm -hmm. Is your website serving your customers well? Mm -hmm. That's a powerful question. Number seven, and you know it's my favorite. Invest in your frontline teams. Invest in your frontline teams. We're in leadership development. They're the last to be thought of. Mm -hmm. it, really true. It's like, yeah. and in some ways I get it. In some ways I agree with it. That like, well, okay, if we're really going to set culture, we need to talk about our senior leaders, our executives, then our mid-level managers. And it's like, oh, our frontline team, do they need training? Yes, absolutely. Especially if you train not just on the reactive elements or the, hey, this is how you do your job elements, but you invest. We talk about Gallup's organization, the Gallup, um, uh, on help me with the phraseology, but the Gallup engagement index, mm -hmm. it's Q12. Q12, thank you. The Q12 index starts with basic needs, individual needs, teamwork, and growth. When you take a frontline team member and you show them all four, it's phenomenal. I mean, it's really outstanding because mm -hmm. most of the time, frontline employees are only getting the, mm -hmm. let me tell you what to do, don't screw it up. Like here, here's how you do your job. Mm -hmm. Do this, do this, do this. Don't screw it up. But when you actually invest in your frontline teams in ways broader than that, it will pay dividends in the long, in the long run and in that individual owning the salsa spill, 
owning the bucket. <laughs> they own those things yeah. and will react better. Okay, that's the list. So we're talking big today. Let's close out with some, some banter here. What do you like? Customer service, leadership, What's sticking out to you from that list or others that you're like, wow, that was a really interesting thought? Since we're in the, the frontline conversation, I, what you said, invest in your frontline teens, to me sticks out because frontline service people, I feel like, by and large, don't realize the influence they have on the organization. Oh, that's good. Just being able to, to know that your decisions will impact a customer, not just for this transaction, but for transactions and months and years to come. Very good stuff. You know, I also think that um, I actually was just leading a session <clears throat> through one of our cohorts uh, last week, and we talked a lot about their casinos. So they do a lot of customer. They have a lot of frontline. Mm -hmm. Now, this group is managers, but, you know, they all supervise the frontline workers. And we were actually talking about uh, turnover, and the highest turnover does not come from their management, their executives. In fact, a lot of them have been there eight years, 10 years, 20 years. Their highest turnovers in their frontline management and it can be very defeating and frustrating because this actually is a group of like awesome leaders and they do invest in their frontline mm. people, but it's costly because they leave. They could go find another job in a similar field in another way. It might pay a couple bucks more an hour or they want to get out of the service entirely. It's just, it's the highest level of turnover, especially in this service industry kind of realm that we're talking about. And so I think as a manager, it, it is really hard to, well, why would I put all the money in investing someone who's, you know, just going to leave? And so we had to kind of re spend the whole three hours reframing the worth of, but what happens if three people stay and those three people become your managers five years from now? And then they're investing in three people after that. And then those three people take your other three. Like you have to, you have to think um, more in the deeper impact than just the broad service level of those who could leave. Yes, 70% of them could leave, but 30% of them can stay. And what do you want them to know about your organization when they do stay? And what do you want them to know about your organization when they do move up? And what do you want them to know and share about your organization when they are on the levels that they're not at right now? And those that 30% of people who will stay has to be worth that investment for the frontline employees. Yeah, and what takes that number from 70% to 65%? Yep. You know, like I, I think that sometimes when we're talking about an investment, especially, I, I can be guilty of this, you want this gigantic swing. You know, mm -hmm. you want, you go like, hey, frontline employees are gonna have high turnover. Let's just assume that's a fact. Mm -hmm. Great, generally speaking, Frontline position is going to have a higher turnover. Okay, I can accept that. What's your number? 70%. Mm -hmm. Well, and we're saying invest invest in those frontline employees. Think of a long-term strategy. Think of the prioritizing the customer service experience. All these types of things, these big, big things. And as the leader, as the decision maker, the purse holder, I can be, I can be kind of paralyzed by like, well, what kind of difference is this going to make? And mm -hmm. I want it. Oh, I want everybody to stay. So I want to go from 70% turnover to 10% turnover. Right. But that's mm -hmm. not the way it works. No. And I think that sometimes we think in those terms. So then we get paralyzed and we do nothing. Yep. And then to your point, now the 30% that stays are not as yeah. qualified, educated, trained, empowered as they mm -hmm. could be because I was paralyzed because my return on investment wasn't high enough. So mm -hmm. it just reinforces mm -hmm. what you're saying. Mm -hmm. So I think that we should reframe those numbers to go, man, if we could just get... 1% more to stay, mm -hmm. you know, mm -hmm. if one more employee stayed for a year longer over the long term, that radically, I mean, and Jess, you're a barista. 
that radically improves the, those small mm-hmm. changes. It's like these big doors swing on little hinges. Mm-hmm. And it's those little hinges that as a leader, you have to change and you have mm-hmm. to think about it. I think even if there's turnover, you're still changing the culture. So if you invest in your yeah. frontline culture, there's a residual effect that I think you're mm-hmm. alluding to, whether mm-hmm. it's people move up or they stay. So when you onboard people, the expectation I think is different because the culture, if it changes over time, hopefully it's tangible. Well, and the scary thing is, if I have learned anything about service industries, they do, not always, but they will promote from the inside, yeah. which is awesome. Um, but but really, they don't get training until they're kind of at maybe a management level, maybe even beyond that. So we were working with someone once, and I kept asking them, like, oh, well, who trains this person? You know, let's start at the top. Oh, uh, they got trained when they were in the role before. Oh, okay, who trained that person? Oh, well, they got trained when they were in the role before that. Mm-hmm. Like, oh, okay, well, who's training so then who's training that person? And right. they're, oh, well, they've been here. And then till till the this person finally gets to the point of saying, oh, they've been here long enough, they should just know. Right. That is literally where, so the head of where the training starts is coming from the person who's just been here long enough that yep. they should just know. Mm-hmm. So, of course, our frontline employees aren't getting training. They're not, if they are getting training too, it's passed down training from somebody yeah. who maybe has never received it or they did. It was 10 years ago when they started and the whole world's changed since then. Well, and then you think of the prioritizing the customer experience and looking at customer service, the customer needs changing. If you're yep. relying on, well, they should know they've been here longer. That's the lowest form of training. Yeah. So all of this wrapped yeah. together, I really like where we've landed on customer service over the last couple of episodes, because number one, it really matters for every organization. It doesn't matter if you're in a nonprofit, for-profit, whom are you serving? That's what we're talking about. Customer service. Whom are you serving? If you don't like the word customer, change it. You could call it, well, my family. I'm serving my family. And Mm -hmm. how am I serving? How am I training them? How am I training the frontline employees, my children? Yeah, if I'm just relying on, well, I hope they get it, you know, through osmosis, that's probably not going to work. If we are a for-profit business, whether it's direct frontline, kind of indirect frontline for us, it all rises and falls on leadership, intentionality, and training. You know, I love it. Let's end with Jess's favorite phrase of the last couple of weeks. Common sense isn't common unless it's communicated. Customer service isn't service unless it's communicated. What are your expectations? What do you want for your customers? How are you training your team to go out there and be good leaders? 